Welcome to the Circle of Birth podcast. I'm your host and advocate, Ali Kranz. These podcasts are here to gather stories, people and information to better our understanding of the wisdom of birth and how we can reclaim our connections to birth from conception and beyond. You will hear stories not only from Australia but from all over the world, bringing together women, partners, midwives, doulas and all the people that have a birth story to share. So jump right in for this next Circle of Birth story. Welcome to another transformative episode of the Circle of Birth. This time I am joined by the very feminine Maha Amusa. Maha is sharing her three birth journeys with us. Her first pregnancy was shortly after rediscovering her mother after 33 years. This birth was six weeks early with a stay in intensive care and Maha describes the compassion and skill from the staff at the hospital. Her next two births were home births with her most recent being at 46 years of age. So Maha speaks of a journey that shows her connection to her Middle Eastern roots and how she brings that and celebrates this into her teachings today. This is a beautiful journey and some very inspiring lessons here. Please enjoy with love and light and an open mind. Hi Maha, welcome so much and thank you for coming to the Circle of Birth um, podcast. Thank you for joining us. So we would love to hear your journey and uh, your birth stories and especially the roots of where you've come from and um, into the person that you are today and the work that you're doing. So if you'd like to kick it off, I'm here to listen to your story. Oh, thanks, Sally. <laughs> Lovely to be here with you. Well, my story starts with the, the lineage of womanhood that I come from, I guess I could say that we all come from, but I have a very particular story on my father's side. I come from very, very strong Palestinian roots and I um, am very proud of those roots and I've always kept the fact that I'm Middle Eastern, you know, to myself. I've been embarrassed growing up in the West, I guess, being of Middle Eastern origin because often there's a very negative view of Arab people or people of Middle Eastern background and especially of women. We don't often get to speak for ourselves. So it's a really good opportunity for me now as I grow and as I birth my babies and to be very proud of the roots that I come from. You know, I feel like the, the tree of life sits within me and I am rooted in not just my cultural roots, but being connected to the whole of the feminine in the world. So, the Middle Eastern roots, you know, are very powerful in regards to my femininity, my sensuality, my ancientness, that feeling of being rooted in an ancient culture, which the Palestinian culture is very, very old, 20,000 years going back to the Canaanite time. So I feel connected to all the women who came before me very, very strongly. And this showed up in my births, which I'm very, very proud and happy about. But my grandmother, my father's mum, was Palestinian. She had nine children and they were all born at home. And we had a beautiful birthing house in a village called Al-Kubab in Palestine, which doesn't exist anymore, sadly. And this was our home birthing house. And my grandmother, her name was Amina, which is the name I gave my third child, my daughter, used to go on a horse and cart over the, the cobblestones and over the, you know, the rocks and the stones to the house and that would bring on her labour when she was in labour and all the children would be on this horse and cart with her. 
and they'd all enter into the birthing house in the Al-Kubab, which actually means the domes. And then a midwife would come and assist her and together they would dance the dance of birth. And all her children would be there and her husband and she would stay there for 40 days and nights and be looked after by the women in the village and be cared for as in Arab culture, that 40 days, about six weeks of postpartum rest and integrating, having had another baby, breastfeeding, getting that established. And she actually breastfed all of her children for two years each. So essentially she was breastfeeding for 18 years. Wow. And yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is the roots that I come from. And this implicated in my birth and my attitude to birth. And then on my mother's side, my mother's Lebanese, and I have a very interesting story with her because I was taken from my mum when I was a six-month-old baby by my dad, and he took my brother as well. Um, long story, but at two years of age, I came to Australia without my mum, and she didn't know where we were. She didn't know of our whereabouts. This is 1964. So you can imagine there was no internet or social media or anything like that. So basically she didn't know where we were until I found her at 33. And I'd been trying to get pregnant for five years and was told I had polycystic ovaries, which I knew was a physical condition of not being able to get pregnant, something to do with the endocrine system. Now they know it's to do with insulin and sugar but for me, it was something about love and about the lack of not being connected to my mother, the mother tongue, the motherland being disconnected. And when I was 33, she was found and I went to Lebanon with my brother and we met her for the first time in 33 years. So she didn't know where I was until she was found over that sort of 32, 33 year period. So she had no idea I was in Australia. But always within me, I had a flame alive, flickering for that connection with my mother. And it was very, very strong. And so when I met her, what actually happened, besides the incredibleness of meeting my mum after 33 years, was that I came back to Australia and six months later, I became pregnant with my first son, Kailash. So it was that understanding that I realised that you know, pregnancy and birth is a lot deeper than what we're told and what we see. And it's very influenced by our emotions, our energetic body, our spiritual body, our life journey as women. We carry the seeds of the flowers from our mothers and our grandmothers and our great grandmothers. And we have opportunities to plant these seeds and grow new gardens. And we are all a part of that garden of life, woman to woman regardless of culture, but it was very strong for me. And I realized after meeting my mum that I actually belong somewhere. And then I felt that that seed of my partner, I could plant into that garden of my own life and life on this planet. So being a part of all and everything after being a part of feeling that I was a part of nothing, this sense of belonging. So that was very powerful for me. Mm. And then did, yes. Did, did you, how, how was it when you first met with your mother? Did you speak to her on the phone prior to going <coughs> over there or you just went and saw her? How, how did that play out? Well, it's all in my book, Dance of the Womb. But oh, I will, okay, yeah. 
um, I'd gone to the Lebanese consulate in Sydney and I had a very small black and white picture of her, which had her name in Arabic on the back. So that's how she was traced. She, the registration number of her family was on that picture. So when they found her, she was able to call me because the consulate had my details. And it was very interesting because a week before I got a phone call from her, I'd had a dream. And in that dream, there was a voice and it said, Maha, is that you, Maha? And this day, one week later, my mum called me, the phone rang, and this voice said, Maha, is that you, Maha? Wow. It was incredible. And I was like, yes, who is it? And she said, this is your mother, Linda, calling from Lebanon. And I just froze. I was in shock after hearing her voice and just it was just that frozen moment in time. Mm. And so when I passed that, <laughs> she was talking to me on the phone and she said she sent me a letter and it was coming and to look out for it. And, you know, she was so happy and excited. And, I mean, I must, she must have thought I was crazy because I could hardly speak. And um, then she started giving me her phone number and as it goes, the line went crackly and I'm looking for a pen, you know, you never have a pen when you need one. And, and then I wrote, scratched down her number on a bit of paper and, and then the line went, you know, and I just sort of sat there and I write about this in my book, Dance of the Womb, and I say I ran to the bathroom and I looked at my face in the mirror and I said, never forget this look in your eyes after meeting your mum or hearing your mother's voice how powerful and I, I still to this day can see myself looking in the mirror and the sense was the sense that we all want is that I belong. I'm not just floating on an ocean in the wilderness in these waves rocking around, you know, in a little broken boat. I actually belong somewhere in relation to my mother's side. I had the strong connection to my dad's side, but there's something about the mother for me that was very, very strong and I needed that. You know, I was at that age, 32, 33, when I met her. So, yeah, so my brother and I, a year later, we went to Beirut and I met her for the first time with my brother and it was beautiful. It was amazing. She was, I, I, it was amazing to have never seen her She'd never seen any of her gestures or how she looked or, you know, funny things, how she put her lip balm on. It was exactly how I put my lip balm on, you know, and she had the same Nivea cream on her dressing table that I used, you know, <laughs> and we, we just felt similar. We looked similar and she was strong, you know. That's, that was, mm. yeah, was, you know, she was a strong woman, mm. And I felt I never had that in my life because I'm strong. You know, I feel like I'm strong, but I'm vulnerable too. And my mum had that. She gave me the gift of vulnerability and strength, and I, I will always love her for that. Mm -hmm. And that's what that first meeting gave me was that sense that, and it's a very Arabic sense of the feminine, to show one's strength in one's vulnerability to be able to feel every emotion that we carry as women, to not have to hide and pretend to be like a man. And I've always been like that. And that's where my work in the birthing and my experiences of giving birth shows me that as women we are everything. 
Yeah. We, we mm-hmm. The society gives us this little limited box and says, well, that's as much as you can be. And if you're anything outside of that, then you're deemed as wrong. So wildness, rawness, gentleness, subtleties, beauty, joy, anger, all of these things are the emotions of the feminine, of femininity. So, and I think that plays out when we give birth. So going into my first birth of my beautiful son, Kailash, who is about to turn 20 in wow. December. Wow. Does Kailash, is that, what's the meaning of Kailash? I'll just ask Kailash, <laughs> sure. Kailash is the mountain in Tibet, the sacred oh, mountain. Okay. Yes, yeah. in Tibet. So, and I'll tell you why we called him Kailash because, you know, it's funny how things go. A couple of things with his birth. Uh, he was born six weeks early and I was planning to have a home birth here in Byron Bay, the capital of home birth, the indigenous birthing place. And I always knew I would have a home birth. It was just something that I didn't question. And of course, because my grandmother, Amina, had nine home births, of course, that's what I would have felt. I didn't feel scared to have a home birth. In fact, I felt probably more scared that I may have to go into hospital. Were you a home birth, Maha? <coughs> Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I know I was born in Kuwait. I think I was born in a hospital in Kuwait, actually. But from my um, grandmother, my father's mother, I knew about the home births. And, in fact, what's very funny, before I go into Kailash's story, is that all my friends who, when they told their parents they were having home births, their parents were up in arms saying, what are you doing? That's dangerous. That's ridiculous. You know, and when I told my dad I was having a home birth, he said, that's good. That's very good. I'm glad to hear that. You know, and and what's funny about my dad is he was very, very strict, and that's another whole story, but, you know, I wasn't allowed out. I wasn't allowed freedoms in my life, but I was free through his eyes to have a home birth. Yet my girlfriends who'd been free in a cultural sense in society, having their freedom, were restricted when it came to birthing. Mm. You know, I thought that was a very interesting. Yeah, interesting sort of indoctrination, isn't it, I suppose, in what's changed. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so pregnant with Kailash six months after you reconnected with your mama. Yes. How did that journey go in the pregnancy and the birth that you were planning for a home birth? Well, my partner, his father, actually got deported from Australia. Long story, but... He got deported and I went to meet up with him in London about a month after he got deported. He was on on a visa. And we decided we'd go travelling. We'd travel through Europe. We'd do all this sightseeing and discovery and exploring and travelling. We'd been together for just over a year and arrived in London. I said, please don't let us have a basement apartment. I hate those basement apartments. And lo and behold, we had a basement apartment and... I got pregnant within two weeks of arriving and I was, it was a shock. It was an absolute shock and I was in a new country. I didn't know anybody and here I was pregnant. And the funny thing was we got married in England and we actually got married on top of Glastonbury Tor in England, that that very sacred place. And then we went to sit in the rocks of Stonehenge when you were allowed to sit in the middle of the rocks and we got access at six o'clock in the morning and I found out, I'm sorry, I made a prayer to the universe that I wanted to be pregnant. Unbeknown to me, I was pregnant with Kailash. 
So here we were in the middle of the rocks having this incredible time at six o'clock in the morning with the sun rising. It was absolutely beautiful and doing all of these rituals. And one of my prayers that I put out was to be pregnant. And it was a couple more weeks later that I found out I was pregnant. (laughs) So, you know, that all the plans of traveling and going overseas, uh, going through Europe changed. And we ended up coming back to Australia when I was about six months pregnant which I was really happy about. And we had lived in Nimbin, but we came and lived in Byron Bay. So then we had to find a house and get organised. And we had a beautiful pregnancy support group here in Byron Bay, which actually still is running as a voluntary pregnancy support group. And it's been running for probably 30 years now. Wow. Is that the Mother's Centre? No, that's what you and Cecilia just developed, the Mother's Centre. What's the group called? It's the Byron Bay Pregnancy Support Support Group. Group. Yeah. Fantastic. It's been a voluntary group. It's run by a beautiful woman, Helly, who's been running it for the last 10 years voluntarily. And it's a place for women to go alternative to the hospital antenatal classes. And I taught belly dance birth in body birth there for nearly 20 years. So, so that it was very big when I first came to Byron in 1996. So we used to have men and, you know, women, and we had about 10 home birth midwives to choose from. So what you did then was look around, get a feeling for the midwives and interview the midwives and go with the midwife that you felt the safest with or the one that you resonated with because we know in giving birth, those people who are around us, we need to feel safe and secure with. Mm, A mother is the one who chooses, not the other way around. The medical doesn't choose. The mother must choose. And we had this incredible opportunity to choose from about 10 midwives. It was amazing. So I chose a midwife. And to fast track the story, I was at the Aboriginal Women's Tea Tree Lake in Byron Bay. I was 34 weeks pregnant, swimming in this beautiful lake where the Aboriginal women come and birth. It's a very beautiful lake, uh, antiseptic, the tea trees, antiseptic and healing. Mm. And we spent the whole day there and we put the mud on us and running around like tribal women. It was beautiful with three or four friends. And then I came home and I started having contractions and I was 34 weeks. So I called my midwife and she came and, and my contractions started just to come or expansions as I call them, started to come regularly So instead of having a home birth, I had to go to the Lismore Hospital um, and I had Kailash the next day at 11.11am on the 4th of December 1996, a completely natural birth, no drugs, and it was the most incredible experience of my life. And I was changed after that birth. I was completely changed Unfortunately, he was taken away. He was helicoptered to Brisbane. But, you know, it was an incredible thing. The strength that I felt and the love that I had for this little boy was so strong and I just drew on the strength of my cultural roots. I knew that all of the women who'd come before me were with me now and it was... um, It was interesting because I had been taken from my mother as a baby and here was my son being taken from me and he was put in the big humidity crib and put into a helicopter and flown away to Brisbane. So I came home without a baby that night 
And I thought, isn't life interesting? Here I was taken away from my mum and my first child is taken away from me. And not only that, not only that, I didn't find out for another five years when I found my passport from when I was a baby and I'd come to Australia at two, guess what date I'd come to Australia in 1964? The date of Kailash's birth. birth. Wow. 4th of December, 1964. Oh and when I saw that, I just was shocked. And, I, and then I went, isn't that the patterns, the imprints, what we carry, what we bring forward, what we clear, what we have to clear you know, each yep. birth brings us an awareness about our historical roots and our own roots and our own journey. So Kailash's birth and the experiences around that was very poignant to me. And he was in intensive care in Brisbane at the Martyr Hospital for six days. And I was able to hold him. I think it was the third day. So you I was flew start- up to Brisbane, did you? I drove up with my partner, yeah, yeah. and I was shocked when I saw him in intensive care. I mean, it's it's very confronting to see tiny little babies, you know, on these machines and the machines going bing, and you know, it was it's very intense to just have your first child and be flung into that situation, and Mm -hmm. and also, you know, in the hospital they put me in a bed next to a woman who just had a baby and her family were visiting and all of that night I was crying. I said, please move me. I can't be next to someone who's just had a baby when my baby's in intensive care. So they put me in another room with a beautiful Tongan woman who'd also had a premature baby. So we were on the same page and we'd go visiting our babies together. And, you know, and I'm glad that I had that experience of the hospital too because what I saw was when it is necessary you know, to have intervention and to have help with our babies, they are incredible, skilled, gentle, compassionate, beautiful, you know, nurses that were helping us with Kailash. And I will always hold that in my heart and be forever grateful for that. Um, I'm just, you know, against when we have interference when it is not necessary. There's a big difference, mm, yeah. you know, but I am glad that I got to experience the hospital in that in that place as well and having given birth in hospital and you know I had the obstetrician coming and wanting to break my waters and you know me standing up for myself and saying actually no you're not going to touch me and he was like oh, oh oh a woman answering back and I said no you don't touch me I don't I want to have a completely natural birth there was no necessity to break my waters you know so did that strength a lot of that come from being with your midwife that you chose mm. Yeah, it was a combination of things because it was my roots that gave me my strength. It was being in the pregnancy support group that gave me my strength. It was being with a home birth midwife and it was being with myself. It was drawing on the strength of myself and what I wanted and what I intuited was the kind of birth that I wanted to have for my baby. And in the end, as I say to women, When it comes down to it, you are the environment within which you give birth. Mm -hmm. You are it. So if you're in a hospital, in a birth centre, at home, free birthing, in the end, you are the environment that gives birth. So you have to know yourself. That's what birth gives you. Know thyself. Inquire into thyself. See the connections. Put it together. 
historical, the family connections, your own choosing and the way the baby comes in. So becoming conscious and mindful around conception, around pregnancy, around birthing, because it is a rite of passage experience. And this is what we need to understand, that birth is sacred, birth is spiritual, birth is sexual. It is a part of our lives as women, and we are the carriers of those seeds to plant the new flowers and fruits of the garden of life. Women carry that. And I see birth as poetry in motion. And I have a beautiful meme that says, a woman in labour does not need to be saved. She needs to be loved. Mm-hmm. And it's a, an experience of love. It is about love. It's so true. It's all about love and love and support for the, the birthing mother. Um, yes. The, like you said, can connect into that space. Because what happens is all of the distractions we have on the outside keep us away from what I also say, the living book is within. Read her. So the expert of birth is you and your baby as the beginning point and then we spiral out from that place and if we need to go researching, we do it from the place of that inherent wisdom and being anchored in our emotional, physical, spiritual and energetic body. We need to connect those four bodies with our wisdom, which sits in our womb space and in our baby, the intelligence of the mother and the intelligence of the baby dance together for birth. And then we move out from that place and we seek advice, we ask questions, you know, we go and look on Google, we read books, but we must start from the premise that the living book is within with your baby. You need to read her first and get strong, centred, and then flow around her. Mm. And when we create that kind of space in the body, that energetic space, then we can listen to our bodies, especially when we come to give birth, when we can be tuned in with our instincts, our intuition, and our knowing that every woman carries that map of birth. The blueprint of birth is within every woman, Those mystical codes of birth reside in our womb. And when we can create space to listen to the lyrics of our body, the birthing rhythms, then the body will speak and will guide you where to go in birth, where you need to be, without all of that external noise. Mm. And that's why in my training we talk a lot about the environment of birth. What does that look and feel like? And that needs to be respected and honoured in order for a woman to birth her potential into the world and to birth that sense of love into the world. And that is the love that will raise the consciousness on this planet. Mm. And I wrote a very beautiful piece this year and it was published in the Elephant Journal and it was just about that. It was about birth as a spiritual practice. If we looked at birth in that way, how different might this planet be? Because we have opportunity as women through birth to plant the seeds of love and peace for all of humanity. And that's what I'm advocating for. That's what I've been advocating for for 20 years now. And my 
next birth of my son really planted that in my body. I had a home water birth with him, lotus birth, three years after Kailash, and I lived out on a property. I was in nature, and I really took those understandings of birth from my first birth, and I widened that scope, and I widened that field of really wanting to know what is birth all about. And Tarek's birth, showed me the way. He lit a light for me to show me what birth was all about. I talked a lot to him when he was in the womb and he guided me. He was a very strong spirit and I was stronger understanding that in birth we are guided by the baby as a mother. The baby communicates with us and to take that time for that mindful meditation and I did it through movement, through dance breath, sound and movement through my embodied birth work Mm -hmm. and I was able to really listen to my baby and be guided by him and he helped me clear a lot of my father's stuff, a lot of the things around my father that I had not looked at. The door, the crack of light was opened with the birth and pregnancy of Tarek and I'm forever grateful to that boy and I called him Tarek which means spiritual messenger in Arabic. And in Arabic, we name our children the names that we want or the feeling or the essence of what we want around us as a mother in our family. We give our children those names because your child's name is like a mantra. When you call your child to you, you are calling the essence of the meaning of the name to you and bringing that and weaving that into your family. Mm. So Kailash being the strong mountain, I bring in strength. Every time I call his name, I draw in strength to protect our family. When I call my son Tarek, spiritual messenger, the one who comes knocking, I bring into our family spiritual messages And when he speaks to me, I must listen to him because I've given him that name. It's it's like the lessons that you learnt as a woman and that from that birth is the name come to you. And then in your life as a a woman, as a feminine, as a mother, you can call upon those names um, to draw the the lessons from. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, that's the Arabic and I've got that in my book. There's a chapter in my book. It's actually called The Last Dance in my book, Dance of the Womb, and I talk about how we name our children in Arabic. Mm. And then I called my daughter Amina, who was also after my grandmother, who had the nine children. But Amina is trustworthy and faithful in Arabic. Actually, Prophet Muhammad's mother was Amina. So, you know, that's calling trust and faith into our family. So you weave all the elements of what you want in your family through the names of your children. And as you said, as you call them to you, you bring those elements into the family. So we women, we carry that, you know, that that ability to do that in the name. So it's very important. And you're exactly right about women honouring their their space and their journey during pregnancy, birth um, and you know, beyond that, it's it's honouring that true essence of 
so many facets of a woman and um, like you said, sexuality, spirituality, um, the physical aspect. Um, it's just so important to honour that space and yeah. to clear the channels for humanity, not just for each individual woman. Yes. It, it will clear the channels for the children and so they're going to have a, an experience that's much less, you know, stuff under the carpet to, to deal with. Um, yeah, mm. it is. It's like you said, it's for, it's for the whole um, humanity. humanity. Yeah, very mm, that's important. Right. That's very important, and that's what I speak about all the time in my work. And that's why I do what I do for the love of humanity. Because, as I said before, women carry the seeds of change through the way we birth, mm. and it's the matriarchal line too. Because what's happening today in the global world is that. Birth is under the umbrella of the patriarchal system, yeah, and men are under that too. Men are forced into that as well, and then women are forced into that to act like men when we give birth. Mm -hmm. So it's very important that we speak about birth, as I say, honouring the language of the feminine for birth. How does she view it? How does she speak it? How does she move in it in her own femininity? Under matriarchal law, what does that look and feel like? So it's not about, you know, as I say, when we take birth as a feminine rite of passage and we place that in a patriarchal system, yes, masculine paradigm, mm. a hospital, for example, which is hierarchical, and then we expect her to open because the feminine in order to birth requires a connection to mystery intuition, the unknown, wildness, patience, timelessness, not knowing and knowing all and knowing nothing, mm. yeah? And the feminine is always changing in every moment. We are flowing and metamorphosing and changing and transforming. And birth gives us that opportunity to feel what does that look and feel like. And I ask... How can we do that under a structure such as a hospital hierarchy and then expect a woman's body, emotional, physical, spiritual and energetic, to open in birth? How does that make sense? What kind of environment are we creating? Are we patient? Are we honouring her? Do we revere the experience of birth? Do we see it as sacred? Do we see it as clinical? And then... That comes to the women who are working in that environment as midwives, as doulas, as birth caregivers. How do you navigate your own feminine in the world? How are you connected to your own womb and your own body? And as I say in my embodied birth training, when the women dance, the midwives come and learn in my training and the doulas, and they have to start to move their own body, doing the dance of the womb. So we ask, where are you stuck? Where are you constricted? Where are you hyper-flexible? So it's all about this inquiry into how does my body work? How am I with my own woman? And I say, how can you be with woman if you are disconnected from your own woman? And then expect her body to open when you are in constriction or you're holding on or you're trying to be like a man in a feminine experience of birth. 
So trying to bring back the femininity to birth through the lens of the woman's own voice. And my third birth, which I nearly got to before, <laughs> was, uh, was the icing on the cake for me. My daughter Amina was born when I was 46 years of age, a new relationship. My boys were almost nine and 12 when she was born. And it was the most incredible opportunity for me to be fully 100% committed to consciousness in birth, to be absolutely mindful. I knew it was the last time I would be doing this. And I opened my arms to 360 degrees and I felt all around me and I said, give me what I need to learn with this baby. I want it all. I want to feel everything and I want to be in this pregnancy and birth 110%. And it was an incredible journey into the heart of myself with my daughter and I didn't know it was a, she was a girl but I felt very strongly in my sensuality and my femininity with her. And I made my DVD while I was pregnant with Amina, Dance of the Womb, which was a follow-on to my book, and I immersed myself in my work, which at that time was Belly Dance for Birth, and I really felt into this dance of the womb and this dance of the feminine, and I remained open to receiving and... I had a beautiful home water birth with her, with a fantastic midwife, Jane Older, who I love forever and ever and a day, um, supported me at home with her. And I was completely committed, as I said, to feeling all of the sensations through my body. I wanted to really know what birth was in her birth. And at 46, I feel incredibly blessed that I had an opportunity to birth again for the third time, to be in my own space, to be in early labour at the Aboriginal Women's Tea Tree Lake again. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, to feel nature enveloping me, to feel the breeze of the wind on my skin, you know, to smell the, 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 the earth beneath me to listen to the birds at sunset calling me, to wrap my arms around trees, the tea trees, and rock and sway and feel the bark against my skin and to immerse myself in natural birth as nature intended. And I made a prayer, may all women feel what it is to birth as nature intended, where it's where possible, to raise that level of consciousness of love on the planet, to be in honour of the earth, of Mother Earth, who looks after all of us when we care for ourselves and her. So I really drew on the strength in Amina's birth of all the mothers, the mother of all things. I was connected to all of that the macro and the micro. And I thank my daughter so much for giving me that opportunity at that age to, to give birth naturally to her. So, and in her birth, in her birth, while I was in active labour, 
I had an incredible experience, and I talk about this in my Embody Birth training. I had an experience of self-generated healing where my body had a spontaneous healing whilst in labour. And it was, again, connected to my father. It was almost like the anterior lip of my trauma needed to be moved and shifted in order for me to create those clear channels for her to come through so she wouldn't have to experience the pain and grief that I had. And my labour stopped and I could feel on a cellular level, I could feel the trauma that I had carried and the grief that I had carried in my muscles and my cells rising up through my body, through my womb, through my heart and out of me as I cried rivers of tears to what I had experienced with my dad, the abuse of the things that he had done to me and the abuse that women had had all over the world to clear that. The river of my tears was shifting and moving, the river of trauma that all women have experienced and men too because we're all a part of this all of us, and I've sobbed and sobbed and cried and cried, and I literally felt it releasing from my body, and this healing was extraordinary. And after I came out of it, I woke up and I realised birth is a spiritual practice. Birth is a place for healing, for celebration, for joy, for giving the world a sense and an opportunity to know love. And it was extraordinary. And then my labour came on and she was born probably a couple of hours later. And that's never left me and I've incorporated, I now weave that into my talks and my trainings and I am so grateful that Amina gave me that opportunity to, to to dig deep into myself. And I asked the question, why don't we allow women to feel every sensation of birth and and to, to have these kinds of experiences so we can give that back to humanity, so we can write books about it for other women coming through to understand the sacredness of birth. And, you know, I I speak for the mother and the baby. I'm an independent birth educator and I speak for the mother and baby from my own experiences and from that spiritual perspective of birth. I think people are recognising that the system needs a shake-up and there's a lot of talk now about human rights in childbirth and I think that's touching in in the hospital system and the medical system that there's a realisation that there's things that are happening to women, abuse of women that are happening that are wrong. And we need to start honouring and revering the mother and the baby. And I think there is a wake-up and a shake-up happening. And I know the people who are attracted to my embodied birth work are looking for that something else, something different. And I talk about two archways 
when I speak in my embodied birth training. There's an archway of love and there's an archway of fear and trauma. And I ask those who come to my training, which archway do you want to walk through? Do you want to walk through the archway of love or the archway of fear and trauma? Because if you want to walk through the archway of love, this is the work I do. And everybody says, yes, we want to walk that pathway. So I provide a path of possibility and potential in birth from the perspective of femininity and sensuality and the language of the feminine. And I don't know, I don't work in the hospital system as such. I know that there's a lot of negativity there that's happening and we need to make a change. We need to be the change in birth. And it has to come by standing strong in this truth of knowing that birth is a spiritual practice. It is a somatic practice. How we can translate this and put this in the system, the only way that I know how is to do the work that I do in Embody Birth. My work started as belly dance birth and has now moved into Embody Birth because the dance of the feminine, the dance movements, are what brings women into that place and connection of their their womb wisdom and their femininity. So that is the way that I know how to do it. And it's actually stripping all the layers back and coming back to that sense of who am I as a woman and who am I as a woman connecting to you as a woman, not as a woman trying to be like a man, but in my truest essence, in my truest intimate place, in my truest vulnerability as a woman, who am I? And how do I connect to you as a woman? And how do I hold space for you? And I know that I came to being a doula and I came to this work, I now know, from the trauma that I had and the wounding that I had around my own mother and my father and being taken away. And so my work is all about bringing the mother and baby together and and honouring that space I know that that's my life work. And I think a lot of us come to this work because we have issues that we need to resolve and we want to assist and be with women in order to also resolve our own issues. And it's a very fine line we walk because are we conscious of our own issues, of our own wounding, of our own need to save a woman? Because are we trying to save ourselves and trying to save ourselves from the experiences that we've had in our own birth, mm. our own connection to our mother, father, and our birth experience. So, you know, when we look at it from all of these different angles, birth starts to, the field of birth expands and opens. And that's what I'm interested in, is I'm interested in how can we open and expand the field of birth and bring the humanity back and the humanness back. It's not a clinical event. I have another saying. I say, birth is not an emergency. It's a spiritual emergence. And that's the language. That's the language we need to speak. So all of us who work in that birthing world need to really mindfully look at Why do I do what I do? How do I do what I do? Finding that balance between the intellect and the heart and the womb, 
is the way of the feminine. If I have to work in a system, how can I still engage my heart and my womb? Can I do this? The more of us that speak up and have a voice in this way, the better for all of humanity, as we've spoken about. And so I stay in that realm of what I teach in birth with my embodied birth. Do you feel like you're channeling from someone or something? Do you look to guidance with your teachings? Yes, my, my teachings have grown. I've been teaching for 20 years. My teachings have grown as I've grown as a woman, as I've grown through my relationships, through the births that I've had, through being a teacher. And I say that the embodied birth training and the classes are a living organic art. They are not stagnant. They're moving. They're alive. They're creative. They're alive with life, just like birth is. So it's always evolving. And the women who have become teachers are my teachers. I love them. They teach me, just as a birthing woman teaches us. If we can respectively stand back and allow the song and dance of life to unfold, we learn as women in the circle of womanhood. So we all learn from one another. I don't stand there as a teacher guru. I stand there as your sister. I show you what I know and you share with me what you know. That is the way of the feminine. That is what I know from my Middle Eastern roots. I used to be ashamed of that. Now I celebrate my Middle Eastern roots and I bring it to my work. And it's really important, I believe, that if I'm teaching a childbirth preparation program, that it actually mirrors what happens in birth. Birth is not choreographed, a whole lot of series of steps. As I said before, birth is a song and dance. It's ever-changing in every moment. How does a woman be with her body, her sound, her breath and baby in every moment of birth? Being in rhythm, being in stillness. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So the, the compass, the guidance is within you when you take that time to be connected to the innermost part of yourself when we give birth and with our baby, and that will guide you. That light will guide you. And that's how we navigate the world as women as well. We're staying open to what the universe wants to show me is the same universe that's showing you in birth. And that's what I want to see. I want to see environments that honour what is birth showing us. I say, trust birth and birth will trust you. How do we bring women into that entrustment and that trust? Mm. And I believe the embodied birth classes bring a woman back to her own knowing, her own heart, womb, head, hands, mind, body, and her own baby. She's the expert with her baby, and that's a very strong part of my training and classes. And, and then from there is transformation. I, I, I like, like you said, you, um, the the woman empowers herself. She embodies her yes. feminine and her feminine thought, and then the flow-on effect from that. It's just mm-hmm. like flicking that switch, and yes, and it's all in here. It's all in us. 
And yes. I feel like in my life when I've become to a sense of awareness and I can look at my patterns and think, am I thinking in feminine or consciousness or creativity or am I thinking in system orientated? And it's really good to become aware now because mm. once you are, it's like, <laughs> and then then you have the love for the sisterhood as opposed to thinking that women are trying to, you know, sort of, like you said, that hierarchy. Um, but when you have that love for the sisterhood, it's so beautiful. You can't beat it. <laughs> Mm. that's right you know the love for the systemhood or the sisterhood which would you prefer yeah oh yeah well said (laughs) no the other thing is too don't forget the masculine aspect of ourselves as women is important in birth in relation to and laboya talks about this and i talk about it in my body birth training is to be at your center to be anchored in your pelvis and in your body in your heart in your centre to be strong, that's your masculine, that's your focus. Yeah. That's that's good. That's good to have that. And then can I flow around that wherever the life takes me? Can I move and flow into that? And that's why the dance is a beautiful metaphor for birth because when we do that improvisational, spontaneous, flowing kind of dance without steps as such where we start to explore the body I'm still anchored and I'm still centred and focused, but I'm able to move where my body tells me, where it speaks to me in those rhythms and that language of the feminine. Yeah, and it's yeah. so it's kind of like the sacred geometry, like the spiral. Yes. There's always yes. that centre, but the flow yes. around it. Oh, exactly. beautiful. Yes, yeah, all that's makes right. sense. <laughs> Could you just quickly tell me um, before we wrap it up the origins of belly dancing, just how where when and where did it come from yeah well you know it's interesting to ask that because when I was looking at writing my book when I was writing the book dance of the womb and I was researching actually belly dance and birth and I couldn't actually find any connection between belly dance and birthing as such and I went back to and I talk about this again in my training we looked at hieroglyphics Egyptian hieroglyphics and we looked at pictures of women birthing in upright positions, having women assisting them in birth, you know, birthing on stones. And there was an element of sort of dance there, dance of the the womb space. So I sort of made a connection there that, you know, it is, the West has called it belly dance as such. But, you know, in Arabic, it's raks is to quiver and shake and to, to feel raks means to dance. So, you know, Middle Eastern dance, the roots of that is in the the belly, the womb, yeah? But it's a woman's dance. It's been passed down from woman to woman to woman. I think when we say belly dancing, we're looking at, I think it was in the 1880s, you know, when they used to have the circus and the woman would be behind in the tent and the men would all do the peak show and watch her dancing the the movements of the belly. Yeah, Therefore, yeah, yeah. belly dance. Yeah. And then, you know, it came from that. But I think it's always been in the the Middle Eastern culture because it's connected to the drumming as well. And that's one of the strong instruments of the Arabic culture is the drum, the dum, the dum, the dum, you know, which is that lower chakra, the belly chakra, you know. So um, I think it's a, it's, and I think it's gone through India and through the gypsies as well, that kind of dancing, the dance of women. And, the, you know, the other thing is, is that as a woman, in when I dance for my daughter, when I put on the Arabic music and I dance 
the belly dancing or Middle Eastern dance or the dance of the feminine, the womb. I'm actually teaching her how to give birth through osmosis. So when she watches me dance and do the circle movements and the figure eight and the spiraling movements and she copies me, I'm actually teaching her the dance of birth. And that's what I love. That's how it goes. That's from the culture. Nobody teaches you in terms of technique, you know, do this, do that, and everybody copies. So I've had to, in my program, bring East and West together. So I bring that spontaneity and that flow of the East and the femininity and the sensuality with the head part of the Western woman saying, how did you do that? Where did you put your feet? You know, the thinking intellect, bringing that into the heart and the womb and and just feeling. Mm. So as I always say, you cannot think birth, you feel birth. Yeah. And that's the same with dance too, isn't it? You feel dance and you cannot yes. think it or, I mean, there's some beautifully choreographed dances, but mm. when you fully immerse yourself into dance, then comes a sensuality, sensuality. Right. And then, oh, it's so powerful. Like I know that feeling and especially Middle Eastern music, it's, you can just tap straight into so many things in your in yourself and it's yes. it's almost like visionary. I, I get like... I know I go to another space and Mm. um, it's very powerful, so beautiful. Well, it brings you into the primal part of yourself and the ancient part of yourself. What part of yourself needs to give birth? What do you need to switch on in order to give birth? And I talk about this in my book. What part of the brain do we need to switch on? Mm. The primal brain, the the old brain. Yes. And what part do we need to switch off? The neocortex. Yeah. So we need to create supportive environments for women to birth so they can switch on the primal brain. And this embodied birth, these mindful meditative movements of the belly dance birth will bring you into the primal brain. Mm. So they act as a bridge between the neocortex and the primal brain. So it's not just like hypnobirthing where you're just using your breath. We're adding sound and movement. And that is what you birth that's what we do in birth that's what we need for birth so when you've done it in pregnancy you come to give birth then you already know those moves you've already activated the information in the body yeah and so you have the confidence and you can release the fear Mm. and i suppose the same too with conscious conception if you bring that all together then um, the harmonics of birth birth. it's the harmonics of birth the lyrics of conception, pregnancy and birth and beyond as you step into the the arena of mothering, which is a whole other area. But that will give you that strength. We need that strength to wake up in the night, to feed our babies, to, to go flow with the demands of mothering. That strength has to be instilled somewhere along that journey, that pathway, right from conception, even before we conceive. You know, that we need to gather the strength of our sisters and ourselves in order to step into the mothering. Yeah, yeah definitely important connection and especially important too with the baby. I guess, you know, when the baby is in the womb, it's taking in all, um, I think it was Bruce Lipton that coined it um, when he talks about epigenetics, that the baby comes out with the music and it writes its own lyrics. So if we have a mother in a stressful environment and unsupported, um, you know, the baby's going to come out and then write its own 
tuned to that. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. We know that the brain is wired on the mother's nervous system. So if the mother is in a calm and supportive and caring place through the pregnancy and she's doing these kinds of exercises that calm the nervous system, then the baby's neocortex is actually bigger than the primal brain, the reptilian brain. Mm. So it's not born in that fear, flight and freeze. Yeah. Yeah, it has a much calmer nervous system. So that's mm. another whole area that, that the pre and perinatal psychology, which mm. I'm very interested in and I weave a little bit of that in as well. Wow. It's all connected. It's not isolated, these things. So people not in the Byron Shire, can they take upon your programs um, apart from purchasing your book? Um, is, can they take – is there any online way that they can do the embodied birth training or methods? Well, you, yeah, it's interesting you should say that because I've had so many people wanting me to do it online and I cannot do this work online. This has to be done face-to-face, heart-to-heart, womb-to-womb. Mm. I can't put this online as in my training. So what I do is a four-day face-to-face training with me and I'm always looking out, you know, if anyone wants to host or sponsor a training, you're more than welcome to contact me. Next year, I'm, I'm going to as a guest speaker to the Human Rights in Childbirth Conference in India, which I'm really looking forward to. I'm going to be doing a training in Mumbai in India in February 2017. We've got one lined up for Brisbane, possibly about May next year, Melbourne in March, uh, Sydney, not sure when yet and September in uh, Tokyo again, and anyone who wants to do a training. Oh, New Zealand. I might be going back to New Zealand as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in New Zealand this year and last year. So wherever anyone wants to come and train, it's four-day training and then you get your teacher certificate and you will have a business as an embodied birth teacher. I teach you everything I know. My book and DVD are like your manuals. You get some more handouts in the training and then we can start these classes so i've now got um 17 teachers in japan we've got about four uh four now in new zealand and about 10 to 12 in australia so um right and that so if they wanted to find a teacher could they find that through your website or yes yeah okay yes we have find a teacher so we're uploading teachers now yeah. And, um, you know, even there's some teachers who are just doing a workshop or an introductory demonstration class or a block of classes, a four-week, six-week or eight-week block. So so it's quite new because I've changed the name from Belly Dance Birth, so this whole new format as Embody Birth, and it's been in place for the last year. So now that's starting to grow and get teachers, and I'm really, really excited that mm. – Women are embracing it. I think it's the vital link in childbirth preparation. It's it's the dancing. It's the moving. It's the embodying yeah. one's femininity, embody femininity, embody birth. Mm-hmm. I think it's what's really needed now. It's like embody, yeah. in-body, <laughs> connect it's inside, body. In, within. <laughs> That's right. Oh, Maha, thank you so much for coming on and um, sharing so much wisdom. I just um, you are you are just surrounded by I I just think you're surrounded by a journey that shows experience and love and I love anyone that shares love and I just can it's resonating all around you I'm even looking at you on video and it's got a nice glow happening so <laughs> I love it <laughs> thank you so much and and my website is mahaalmusa.com m a h a a l m u s a 
dot com. So everything's on there. And I really appreciate Ali coming and talking and having this opportunity to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Mama stay. Mama stay. Mama stay. Mama stay. birth body birth is Mama stay. Ah, Mama stay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you connect with this episode? Then head over to our website, circleofbirth.com. There you'll find show notes, pictures, resources, and potentially connect with today's storyteller. Don't forget to sign up to be updated with new empowering episodes and content. Help the show grow by contributing a tip in the jar to make sure we can continue to better the podcast and connect more and more to the wisdom and birth and each other. Hey, and don't forget the iTunes rating. This has been another episode of the Birth Share Project. We breathe, we birth, we empower. Thank you.